welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after party for people who need just a little bit more. We're two friends, Jason and Steph, and we aren't quite ready to sleep on all things pop culture. Welcome to Kick-Ons, because the party's not over. The night is young, no we're not done. Party back at ours, everybody's welcome to the kick-ons. You're welcome. Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after party for people who want just a little more. Hello, Jason Parker. Hey, Steph. How are you? You know what? I'm so good. I've just eaten some bruschetta, mm. which I thought would be a great, we could play that, um, what's that chip? Oh, yes. With bruschetta, but then that would kind of be like um, false advertising. It, bread's not a chip. No, bread is not made of potatoes. They're both carbs? Yeah, is they are both carbs. Yeah, great, great. Um, sitting at a gorgeous table. Yes, we are in a very beautiful space. Dead animals everywhere. <laughs> there are dead animals everywhere. But it's high fashion. It's like glam. Yeah. Well, you said not- that you didn't feel any certain way about... So this, we're surrounded by taxidermy. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's a squirrel who looks like it's seen some shit. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, the little duck. Ravens, a bunny, a gorgeous peacock. Yeah. Um, and you don't feel any... I, well, it's not that I... I just... Yeah. Heartless. I feel comfortable around them. It's, it is warm space in here. Yeah. It's not like walking into like a, a dungeon or something or a like a villain. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> I'm kidding. When it's a beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day, we're yeah. drinking bubbles. Yeah. The fancy stuff. Yeah. The yeah. good stuff. So this episode will probably get progressively more sloppy. That's <laughs> yeah. how we like it. Yeah. We will top up in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Which is absolutely fine. Um, shall I tell everyone about our guest yeah. today? Why are we in the crypt? Why are we in the crypt? <laughs> well, our guest today is one of New Zealand's most sought after hairstylists. He's created hair for leading fashion magazines and iconic New Zealand designers and travelled the world working on fashion weeks in London, New York and Australia. He has over 22 years of experience in the hair industry and is the owner and creative director of Boy Salon and Spa here in Wellington. Most importantly, he's a Dolly Parton superfan, father to the cutest cat you've ever seen, and Jason's boss slash mentor. Oh, and did we mention Tabitha Coffee follows him on Instagram? Please welcome <laughs> to kick off Michael Beal. Thank you so much, T. Yes, Tabitha does follow me, but I follow her way before she followed me. Uh, That doesn't matter. You Um, got the follow. Yeah, she's amazing. She is amazing. Mm. That is Tabitha takes over for the people in the back who don't know. Yeah, Tabitha is is an icon. I love her. Yeah, Yeah, she is. Where did you meet her? I've met her at some hair expo functions and then we've just connected and now um, I wouldn't say we're like BFFs, but um, we actually, you know, slide into each other's DMs every so often. So love her, love Tabs. So good. She's so great. That show needs to come back. Oh, there's lots of shows that need to come back. Yeah. You could be on a New Zealand (gasps) version of like some hairdressing. I don't even know. 
Michael, Michael takes, takes over. over. Yeah. 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 Mike, Mike takes over. As long as it's got a Z in it, Mike's. Mike's. Uh, yeah, Mike's Mike's <laughs> yeah, you go in and you just fire people. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm a nice lady, Jason. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You, I don't like being aggressive, but if things don't go my way, I'll turn. Yeah, that's yeah. Do you know your chart at all? I'm born on April the 20th, the same day as Hitler and Napoleon. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Mum always joked I was the third Antichrist so growing up. So um, oh. that's why it's definitely my way or the highway. Yeah. So, it um, explains the taxidermy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killed with your own two hands, that baby duckling. That I did grow outrageous. up on a farm, so unfortunately I have had to do that process a couple of times. Yeah. But, um, it's very jarring the first time you see it. I'll yes. never forget. Did you have to do it yourself? Yeah. Oh. When I was 14, you know, Dad was just like, oh, if you want lamb on the table, this is how we do it. And I had to go and do it. MB was hungry. Whoa. She was hungry. <laughs> you know, she she eats a lot. So, you know, I needed food. And Dad was just like, oh, well, you know, this is doesn't come in a packet from um, a supermarket. This is how we eat meat. Yeah. yeah. So, when you, I mean, we were like that too because I grew up on a farm as well. But Dad never made me do it ever. But... Now I'm like, why not? All my brothers and sisters got to do it. I'm a phobic. But you're a vegetarian anyway. Yeah, so. no, I said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in a small town called Palmerston in East Otago. It's about That's halfway right. between Dunedin and Omaru. I know it well. Blinking, you've missed it, but it is the gateway to the pig route. State Highway 85. Um, and, yeah, that's my little hometown, probably a population of, like, 2,500 people. Did you live there right through? Oh, no, because you were in Australia for a while. Yes. Um, so I was uh, spent, like, the first six, seven years of my life in Palmy on a little farm, and then um, my mum and dad moved us to Western Australia and we moved oh, around wow. a lot and Kalgoorlie, Karatha. And then when I was about 13, I moved back to the farm and spent my teenage formative years on the farm and uh, loved it but hated it at the same time. Our school was very small, pretty much taught you to be a farmer or a farmer's wife. If you weren't, <laughs> if you didn't fit that mould, you sort of like ostracised a little bit. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, Lucky to get out of there and um, got to experience some amazing things once I left that town. Yeah. yeah. Was there, like, any um, thing from your family or from the town to be, like, you need to stay and, like, look after this farm? Or were they, like, it's all good that you nah. get? Nah. It was just, like, Dad, I think, knew definitely I wasn't ever going to be a farmer. Um what about the farmer's wife? Farmer's <laughs> wife, maybe, maybe. The bruschetta is incredible. That would go down well on the farm. Yeah. And I do love making a good chutney and relish. Mm. Give it to me. I'm all about preserving and baking. So, mm. um, yeah, I would have made a good farmer's wife. Um, I would not have been out on the farm building fences, even though I had to do that through teenage years and oh. haymaking and, you know, <laughs> getting meat on the table and all that type <laughs> of stuff. Um, definitely didn't love it. And the first chance I had to get out of, um, Palmerston was to go to university. Um, way back then we had bursary and university <laughs> entrance. <laughs> which um, you got? Which yeah. I got. I got a B bursary and university entrance. <laughs> um, in my final year at school, there was only 10 people in our seventh form, so wow. very small school. 
Um, and most of that was by correspondence. And yeah, I went to uni and I think walked into my first lecture and there was like 600 people sitting there. And I was just like, that's twice the size of my whole school. And I was just sort of like, WTF. Yeah. I don't know how to do a footnote. I don't know how to write an essay. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And then just sort of bluffed my way through two and a half years of uni and then decided to be a hairdresser. Whoa. Was this Otago Uni? Yeah. Wow. The best university to go to for partying and also for academic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, what, half a year off finishing a degree in? In psych and marketing. So probably a year and a half because I failed a couple of maths papers because maths isn't my forte, even though I'm a business owner now. But um, (laughs) I saw you do some good maths the other day at work. (sighs) It was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> two plus two is 22 sometimes for me. So, yeah. um, you know. You're real age. Yeah. 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 Real age, yeah. Yeah, 22 years of hairdressing is false. Oh, that was from your website. No, that, that, <laughs> that is how long I've been hairdressing. So it's 98. So this year will be the 23rd wow. year. Wow. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Party. Yes. Going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping someone will throw a good party sometime soon. So yeah. Yeah. We'll have, a, we'll have a soiree. You can jump in on yeah, our 30th. Yeah, yeah. I'll take team. Yeah. So you decide not to finish your your degree and become a hairdresser. What, um, hairdress- what the hell? Yeah, like, hairdressing how? was never on my forte, never on my radar, never, I didn't grow up going, cutting my sister's doll's hair or any, um, anything like that. I literally was in getting my hair cut at the local Rodney Wayne down in Dunedin and um, the hairdresser offered me a part-time job. Being I wanted more beer money and being, and they were <laughs> quite happy to work around what I was doing at uni. I literally um, jumped at the chance and after two or three months, I just went, this is me. The books aren't me and I love making people feel better about themselves and I love the vibe and the energy a salon gives but more importantly, seeing um, that twinkle in a client's eyes, you know, when they leave, their tits are out a bit, bit <laughs> their, their shoulders are back, they, like, flip their hair and, you know, that they're going home and probably going to get some from their husband that yeah. evening. You know, wow. it's just like, you know, they, I just like making people feel better about themselves. Yeah, yeah, and you truly do. Your clients are obsessed oh with you. Yeah. It's fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What can you do? Yeah, that's insane. So, yeah, so um, I quit uni um, and started my apprenticeship on $5 an hour. Wow, and working, like, full-time doing Working full-time, and then after about six months of being in Dunedin, um, my salon owner bought a Rodney Wayne up here in Wellington and little did I know that it was in a mall and after three months of working in a mall after the vibrant student life I was just like I can't do more I've made a freaking big mistake and wanted to go back to Dunedin but then um I was at Polytech, as every apprentice has to go to which is fucking torture Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but it's just like uh, one of the fellow apprentices said, oh, there's a job going to my salon and it's boy. And this was 21 years ago, 22 years ago now. Um, and went in and I knew of the then owner, Derek, and had he'd won hairdress of the year like five or six times by this point. And I was like, cool, yeah, I can do this, you know. And, and in 
I've been there, what, 21, 22 years later. Wow, now, I did not know that. Yeah, so that's um, that's pretty much my hairdressing journey from uh, how I got into hairdressing. But obviously hairdressing's taking me all around the world and giving me some amazing opportunities that a lot of people would never get a chance to do. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very, very grateful that I get to do something that I love. And it's corny, but like hairdressing's my hobby, it's my job, it's my passion. I think about it 24-7. You've just seen in my spare room, you know, 10 wigs ready for another shoot. That's what I'll be doing all day tomorrow. Yeah. I'll be prepping a couple more wigs. I do it nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just start sort of slowly entering competitions and that's like how it built momentum or was there was it Derek pushing you to get in there and do that? Because how do you become Michael Beale? Um, like I wanted to be the best hairdresser I possibly could be. Yeah. And I've always wanted to have the title New Zealand Hairdresser of the Year. Yeah. Um, and I entered that competition many, many times and didn't place finalists or didn't even win. And I was just determined that's my goal because mm. I was brought up, if you're going to do something, do it properly. And, you know, if I'm going to be a hairdresser, I have to be the best one. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, so I enter competitions. I use my photo shoots and competitions as creativity as much as my clients love me. You know, I cut grey bobs. Mm. You know, that's pretty much what I do. Um, you know, I don't colour, but I just, they get blonde highlights, get a bob done, and they walk out the door. They love it, and I love making them feel better. But that creativity of creating hair that's 10 foot high, or not, mm. you know, I exaggerate. <laughs> but, you know, or, literally, you know, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that type of stuff excites me and feeds my creativity and... That's why I love doing photo shoots and fashion weeks and shows and editorial campaigns and magazine work because that's my playtime and that's when my creativity can just come out. And I think, you know, there's hairdressers out there that are great commercial hairdressers that don't want to enter competitions that I look up to as well that just do beautiful hair in the salon and it's just like, and that's fine. They can do that. And these days with social media, you can become, you know, famous for that. Yeah. creating beautiful hair, and it, you don't have to win a competition. Yeah. And you can make a hell of a lot of money being a hairdresser as well, mm. you know, and have a great lifestyle doing that. It's shit at the start. You know, I started yeah. on $5 an hour, yeah. you know. It's just like I think after I paid my rent and my bills, I literally had like $18 left for the week. And it's just like, you know, she got a few debt collectors um, following me up after a while. <laughs> but, you know, it was just like... But that's what I did and I just yeah. loved it and just loved the energy and the vibe and then I was just like, you know, I had an end goal and it's like qualify as fast as possible, start making some money and, you know, I've got to travel the world and live in a nice house now and, um, yeah, have some cool experiences because of my job. Yeah. Own a business. I own a business. Who would have Manage staff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love, I, you know, Jason, you work there and we belt on about it, but we've got a family of 28 staff. And 28 staff is a lot. Mm. For, a, for a hairdressing salon, it's a hell of a lot. I think we're probably the biggest single salon in New Zealand. So having 28 creative personalities, um, you know, we're definitely not office personalities. We like you no know, banter. We like attitude. We give it back as much as we give, and we all, but we all have fun. 95% of the time yeah. and we all get into it and we all just, yeah, are on the same path. And I really love 
my family and I think we've got probably one of the best teams we've had in a very long time. Yeah, well, Boy, oh. sounds like it's been through a lot. And because how old has Boy, how long has Boy been around for? Boy started uh, in the 80s with Derek and Derek um, it would have been hairdressing before then, but I think the salon now is about 35, 36 yeah. years old. So it's been around the bush. And always <laughs> always in the Majestic Centre? Um, it originally started out in Newtown. Oh, yes, um, right. And in a little suburb in Wellington. And then um, when the Majestic Centre was built, he got um, offered a space in there. Wow. So he moved in there. And then we were downstairs in, um, for a while. And then we've moved up into the space we are now. And we've been there probably about... 15, 16 years. Wow. How amazing that you have seen it go through all these. I wasn't there in Newtown. I was still a baby. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, um, I was definitely started downstairs when the salon probably only had, like, about 12, 15 staff and it was uh, definitely quirky. We're in the back room each night getting wasted and, you know, smoking and hairdressers were just... The attitudes back then, hairdressers would, if they had enough throughout the day, even halfway through a haircut, they'd just grab their bag and leave their client there and just go for the day. So it was definitely a different energy than what we have now. We're much more professional. Please yes, come and see us yes. at Boys Salon and Spa. Um, but, yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's always had that um, march to the beat of its own drum mm. vibe. and um, But also do amazing work. Yeah, we've always... You know, won awards and constantly win awards, and everyone does keep looking at us to see what's going to happen next. And you know, I'm lucky to drive that forward a bit, but now it's also my job to drive people like Jason forward and others to go. Okay, you're the youth, so that way we can keep the business going and still keep it fresh and current. No pressure, bitch. Um, <laughs> I got that. Uh, okay. I may not be New Zealand's Apprentice of the Year, but... Robbed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Robbed. Yes. Michael, Michael was there with me, um, realising that I was a sore loser, consoling my um, uh, loss. Maybe. Runner, you know, we we had had a lot of champagne then and you had thought, thought you won. <laughs> and it's, as I said on the night, you know, Winning hairdress of the year or apprentice of the year, you still have to go back to work the next day and cut your grey bobs yeah. and clean the toilets and stuff like that. And nothing actually changes by winning an award. So that's, you know, awards are great and it's nice to put on your gram, but at the same time it's about how you make people feel that's what they remember. You know, they don't know, oh, well, he was hairdress of the year or apprentice of the year. It's like, well, Jason makes me feel great or Michael makes me feel great. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you also said to me that night that you had entered hairdresser of the year, like, what, 15 times or something? Yeah. And at, you know, you've got... Spent thousands of dollars on photo shoots yeah. and not even been a finalist or yeah. whatever. So it's just like, you know, you just got to keep the thing about competitions is you put yourself out there to be judged and, um, you know, you've got to, as well as entering to win, you've also just got to enter something that you love to do and produce. And if it doesn't win, you're still happy that you've entered and created something beautiful. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, a, it's like judging art. Like how can you tell a portrait from a landscape to an abstract? You know, there's the mm. judge's decision on the day. You know, it's just like what they're vibing with. So it's just like, you know, it's great to be a finalist because then you know that you've, you're up there mm. and it's just like 
however um, coin falls on the day, really. Yeah, and now that you get to um, also be the judge, you know, you're like, you have judged competitions yourself, yeah. people's photos. And I've How seen do- some shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you find that process, like judging people's art, knowing how you feel when you um, see off your work? I I can instantly look at, say, maybe, you know, they, when we're judging hair competitions, they put like 100 photos, if they're printed, on a table and I literally just oh, walk wow. down and go, yes, no, 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 yes, no, maybe. And I'm just drawn to things that I like. I definitely, um, you know, if I'm looking at judging hair, it's um, the hair quality, you know, does it look fried? Is it attractive? Is the model attractive? Is, what stories are trying to tell me? Um you know, if it's sponsored by a product company, they're obviously wanting to promote their products. Um, so it's just like, you know, is it representative of their brand and their ethos and what they're trying to achieve? But also, is it just a hot image? At yeah. the end of the day, it's just going to be a hot picture to make you just stop and go and look for the right reasons, not the, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> I've seen judge hair competitions and there's been coffee cups. I've literally just taken it with the cape on there around their head and just sent it in. I'm just like, why even bother? You know, when you're competing against someone that's got a retouched photo with a professional model, etc. Yeah. You know, that stuff's going to get you attention for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, and the the world of, like, in-salon hairdressing and competition are, like, so different. It's like chalk and cheese. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Different hat. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get into it? Do you remember, like, meeting Derek and, like, what that was like? Um, For my first month at Boy, um... I had left Rodney Wayne and I was on the floor cutting, colouring, thinking I was big nuts and just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a senior, even though I was only like just in my second year of apprenticeship. <laughs> um, for those that don't know, second year apprenticeship, you're still pretty much shampooing. But, um, you know, I was thrown in the deep end at Rodney and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, so when I arrived at, at to start at Boy, um, I literally did not leave the laundry for a month. Wow. I didn't shampoo, didn't sweep a floor. I was just chained into that laundry. And I went home every night crying, going, oh, my God, what have I done? Um, but then Derek pulled me into the office one day and goes, okay, I did that to sort of break you, break out the bad, <laughs> break the bad habits, and now let's, let's go. And so, um, yeah, and so I thought he was a dickhead. Um, initially, I was just like, oh, my God, ego. But then at the same time, I could see what he was trying to teach me. And, you know, in comparison, I felt like what Derek was cutting off was like dust compared to what I normally cut off, which was chunks. And um, the precision and the way people blow-dried and styled and coloured, it was just a completely different perspective. And... um, I needed to be shown that perspective and mm. sort of bad habits taken out and, you know, learn, learn their way. Mm. Um, you know, Derek's quite an enigma and has told me that um, I'd never make it in the fashion industry because at that stage I was too fat and, um, you know, I work in fashion and fat people don't work in fashion and he had sort of, sort of very quirky ideas and I was just like, if you, I'm going to show you that I can make it. And that was probably part of the drive to try and win a competition mm. and enter and to prove to him that 
fat people can do anything too, which we can, you know. It's just like, you know, anyone can be anything these days. But back then in the mid-90s or whatever it was, you know, that's how it was. Yeah. Did you, um, with being like a big girl working in the industry, like you're not anymore. No. No. um, That decision obviously came quite a bit later um, to like drop weight. Mm. How did you, do you think that Derek's like prodding you was, had something to do with that or you were just like ready for a new journey? Um, no, I definitely felt like, you know, before I went on my weight loss journey, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, I definitely was, you know, doing stuff and doing fashion shows, but you know, when, and you know, I'd done London and I'd done New York and, but you know, when you're, 158 kilos backstage and you're jammed in, you've been backstage before and there's like three people working on a head and you're the big person and everyone's sort of pushing around you. You do think like, oh my God, and you've got all those beautiful models and they're all like two kilos and you just sort of do think about that. But then at the same time, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what people think. I'm making it, I'm doing my own thing. Um, But the reason I decided to go on down the path I chose for weight loss was I just turned 40. I was 156 kilos, the biggest I'd ever been. Derek was just diagnosed with terminal cancer. My dad had just had two severe strokes with um, his weight. And my best friend at the time was in a diabetic coma in ICU and nearly died. And for his weight issues too. So I just went, if me, I'm going to be next things happen like this. Mm. I'm 40. It's just like, it's your money, 21. um, (laughs) You know, and I've reached this point where I was just like, I need to take control of my life. Yeah. And going down a weight loss surgery path, I had a gastric sleeve. Um, So what does that, what's a gastric sleeve? A gastric sleeve is they literally... Um, your stomach has like a, a tube and then it, it sort of sits on the side as a pouch. And so they literally just cut the pouch off. So your stomach literally is just this sleeve or this tube. Yeah. So you can only eat a certain amount of food and that and that's it, you know. Um, and so I felt like I'm going to go down this path, you know, it's the best 20 grand I ever spent. Um, it allowed me to lose 64 kilos um, it allowed me to get my life back. It allowed me to, so I'm not diabetic and I'm not, you know, I can run, I can do all these things and actually have more energy to do this, but it guarantees me to have a longer, healthier life and, you know, get to have wear nice clothes to be the fickle thing. And, you know, when you work in fashion and you're 156 kilos, not every designer goes up to there. You know, you're constantly buying the triple XL T-shirt for from ASOS or whatever to, mm. or anything that looked like a circus marquee, you know, just to drape and hide things. And as a site, well, now I can wear clothes that are a little bit more fitting and a little bit more me. Um, but yeah, like I did it for me, for my health reasons, not for fashion. Yeah. But fashion's a good sideline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, wearing nice clothes is, is a good thing. Yeah. What was the recovery like? Was it crazy? And how long was it until you had dropped 64 kilos? 
Um, it took about maybe eight months, nine months, wow. and now it's about me maintaining it. It's like, like gastric surgery is a tool. You can still get fat if you don't exercise. If you eat shit food, you can get fat, you know, mm. but it's easier to lose one or two kilos than it is 60, however many mm. I lost. So I used it as a tool to wipe my slate clean. So the recovery did take a while and for the first month I was like two teaspoons of yoga or pureed up chicken breast would fill me up. You know, it's surreal when you're so used to eating a massive plate of food mm. um, to all of a sudden having two teaspoons is a mind game. Yeah. And um, it sort of can fuck you around a little bit. Yeah, um, the mental side of that must yeah. be truly And my surgeon said to me, look, it's a mental journey. It's not a physical journey. The physical stuff will just happen. Yeah. It's definitely, it is a mind game. And I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I can deal with this, whatever. You know, I'm not psycho. Well, I am psycho. But, um, <laughs> you know, but it was more a case of, Actually, it is a mind game and, you know, I slip up every now and then. I can, I know I can eat chocolate till the cows come home and it not affect me in any way. But then there's certain things if I have, you know, 10 hot chips, I can be in the toilet vomiting. Whereas I know I can eat a whole king-size block of Whitaker's chocolate and one go and it not affect me. Wow, You know, crazy. so there's ways that I can like, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. But then it means the next day I have to go for a run. Yeah. So yeah. to balance it out a bit, you know. So, um, so yeah. And obviously, you're you're already innately someone who the mental game is. You're on top of that, like being deciding that you are going to be New Zealand's hairdresser of the year and not accepting anything less. Like you're there already. So, getting on top of that post surgery. Yeah, I like I like definitely there are moments where I second guess myself and when things don't go right, you know, I sort of think about it and dwell on it and, you know, I get insomnia because I overthink mm. um, as well and, um, you know, I also have a cat that keeps me up all the time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's more um, I feel like I've always been taught, like, actually, if you're going to do it, do it, like I said, and it's just like, okay, well, yeah, let's do it. Mm. You know, it is what it is. And I've always said, fake it till you make it. I say that to you all the time. Mm -hmm. Fake it till you make it, Mm. you know, put on that confidence and that bravery and just do it and it'll just happen. That's amazing. When does social media start becoming quite an integral part of your job? Um, I've sort of dabbled in social media, had a little MySpace page um, way back when. (laughs) Um, But, like, for me... um, I adore Instagram so much Mm. and I think as a visual person and as a creative person, it's the best platform for us to play on. Mm. Um, I'm not into Twitter. I don't really do Snapchat and I still can't get my head around TikTok. So I'm, you know, a 40-something-year-old man (laughs) um, that hasn't quite grasped it, but I love Instagram because I can just save people's work that I love or inspired by and I get to share my my stuff out there. So um, social media is constantly growing and evolving and I think for us as creatives, it's a way to get us out there and you can be, in this day and age, be whoever you want to be, wherever you want to be in the world and, you know, we're in little old Wellington, New Zealand at the bottom of the world and, you know, Tabitha follows me and all these types of things and you can just 
yeah, do whatever and inspire other people from wherever. You don't need to be in New York, London, Milan or Paris, mm. although those cities are very amazing. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that um, your social media page has, like, allowed you to do the things that you are doing at the moment? Like, you work with Dyson, you've got um, uh, things with L'Oreal. Yeah, um, I definitely think that helps. Yeah. And winning awards definitely helps with that. And, um, you know, Instagram, you know, is like an online portfolio now. And, um, you know, I whenever I'm doing fashion weeks or anything like that, the hair director will definitely go through my page and all of a sudden like a post from two and a half years ago. And you're like, oh, and I, like, oh my God, that's an icon. Oh, my God, I'm next week. And so, you know, they go through and that's, it is like an online portfolio for us creatives and um, that's how to show out there. And, yes, it's edited, and but I think as long as you're authentic on that, any brand or person that wants to work with you will work with you. Mm. I I think the age of the influencer, in some ways, yes, I am an influencer in the hair industry, but also the things of like swipe up, you know, for, you know, say my name and get 20% off type of thing. I think that's gone if you're not authentic. Mm. And, you know, there's so many influencers out there that all of a sudden, like in this product and then next week they're liking a different product, but it's the same same thing, you know? Yeah. And I just think people are now over that, especially in, you know, our global pandemic crazy age of Aquarius rebirthing time that we're going through. Um, yeah, I think people are over the bullshit. Yeah, 100%. Why, like, you talk about all these gorgeous places around the world. Why did you stay in New Zealand? Because I sort of didn't do my traditional OE because I went straight from university to an apprenticeship. And then I sort of fell out of the, um, and then I started making some money and I quite like making money and I didn't want to go couch surfing mm. in London or anything like that. And then I met my partner and we've been together nearly 21 years now. And so it's just like, it just, life changed. But, you know, I've been to London, Milan, mm. Paris, you know, um, Barcelona, sent to India for work. You know, I've got to see the world um through work really and as I said you can be anywhere nowadays and it doesn't you don't have to be um yeah in those major cities but you know editorial here for those that don't know is the stuff that you see in magazines and catwalks as you mentioned is completely different to sell on here yeah and you know being in Wellington does constrict that somewhat and you know Auckland is where all the magazines and designers really are but you know if I want Vogue I have to be in Sydney or Melbourne, or Sydney or London or New York. And, yeah. You know, but also in saying that, Vogue and that are coming here to New Zealand because we can shoot and film and do all that stuff here, whereas they can't because they're still in lockdown. Yeah, true. I um, I always think that it's, like, really amazing how... Well, it is quite a small industry. Like, I've only been in it for, what, like, three years or four years, and I feel like I know quite a few people who work in the industry. Um but you have, like, managed to be important in a lot of different parts of the New Zealand hairdressing industry. So I think Because I'm a whore. Whoever <laughs> <laughs> will write a check, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Me, please. Yeah. That's so good. Shall we get into your life at the party? Yeah. Yeah, gorgeous. So do you have a life at the party, something that is just, like, something amazing? Dolly. 
Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. She is life. Oh Remember when we were all supposed to meet her last year? Oh, let's not talk about no. it. No. <laughs> Shout out to Erin yeah. Claire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Dolly Parton has always given me life. You know, I grew up on a farm, so con- my dad used to sing country music and he'd always do the gambler, Kenny Rogers, and yeah. there's a ticket that always used to do Dolly's part. And, I mean, Ireland's in the stream. Not the oh, oh, I yeah. love um, And, you know, I've, I just think she's so camp. You know, her, her quote she comes out with, what, she just turned 75 the other day. Yeah. She doesn't look a day over 30. <laughs> um, she's Botoxed and plastic up to the hilt. And she said, you know, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah. I just love. I just yeah. love her. She's, she is someone who's authentic. Like she yeah. could do a swipe up, and I would swipe. Yeah, up definitely. Yeah, because yeah. well, she is. She's always been her. She's, um, you know, donated a whole lot of money for a COVID vaccine over there. She's always been about gay rights. She's always been about supporting people, and you know, her book charities and mm. all that for like the you know people in her community and stuff like that. And my dreams to go to Dollywood. Die. Hashtag get Michael Bell. (laughs) Start up a GoFundMe page when when the borders open back up. Yeah, that's the thing. We just need the world to like get back. Get a shit together sort of a little shit. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly will come here probably. Well, She's the I went, queen of Netflix. I went to her mm. concert and I nearly got kicked out twice out of Victor Arena. Why? <gasps> because I stood up and danced. Oh, wow. So like Dolly was here maybe three, four years ago at Victor Arena and I was like, I definitely was going, yes. And I went and paid for, an, you know, one of the expensive tickets mm-hmm. up the front. And I get there with my friend Jason and not you, but no. another Jason. <laughs> Um, and we get there and we'd had a few drinks beforehand, as you do, because yeah. we're off to Dolly and we're, like, so super camp. And get there and we're sitting amongst probably a sea of, like... Grey bobs. Grey bobs. <laughs> grey sets. Like, and it was a full sit-down concert. And I was just like, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. They'll get up and stand. So we took our seats, you know, about three, four rows from the front. Wow. And... Dolly comes out and it was just literally Dolly and her band. She didn't have any, like, fireworks or jazz hands or anything like that. It was Mm. just her and her band. And she just got up there and, you know, she started singing Jolene. Mm. So I got up and I started dancing, thinking everyone around me was dancing. But no, everyone was sitting down. I'm like, it's fucking Jolene. Yeah. It's like, come on. It's one of her most iconic songs. And then all of a sudden security come over and, like, you need to sit down. I'm like, it's Jolene. And I'm like... (laughs) As I said, I'd had a few drinks. And I'm like, it's Jolene, you know. It's just like, come on. And he's like, you need to sit down. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So yeah. I sat down. I was being a nice lady and looked around. I'm like, oh, my God, boring bitches. Yes. And then, oh. um, you know, later on she did nine to five. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. come on. And, like, she's, you know, up on stage clapping away. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, feeling my oats. <laughs> had a few more drinks by this stage and got up again. And the security guard comes over. If I have to come over one more time, you are being evicted. I went, oh, <laughs> and then um, sat down. So, yeah. And then I just looked around and everyone's just, like, giving me the evils. Oh, my god. That goodness. happened at Celine Dion. I was, like, she, I sat down for the whole thing. I was so respectful. And then River Deep Mountain High came on and I was, like, if you think I'm sitting through this song, you've got another thing coming. And I just danced by myself and yeah. embarrassed my whole family. It's just, like, I care. can't sit there and just do a couple of toe taps and no head bobs. Way. It's, like, oh, my God, I've got to get up and boogie. Yes. We and Steph went to see Beyonce and we were sitting in the 
back row, like literally right Most at the late. back. Yeah, yeah, right at the back. We paid ninety dollars for Beyonce tickets. We could not see a single thing, but no. we were, and we'd had a few drinks, before yeah. Yeah. and then a few more there, and we were like up dancing, having the greatest time ever. And the people behind us, like they were in the last row, yeah, second to last row. They were like, "You guys need to sit down." And we were like. It's fucking Beyonce concert. We're not fucking sitting yeah. down. And then there's all these videos on my phone of me and Steph like filming them being like, fuck these people. <laughs> Can't believe it. And they're just like staring down into the phone. And camera. part of it was if we went to the aisle, we would get, because we're happy to go and dance in the aisle, but we yeah. would be told to get it's back to our seats. Fire yeah. hazard. Like, I just we're like, flaming. Yeah. I, I do a sit down concert if you're listening to the symphony orchestra or something. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like you're at a concert in a concert venue. And you've got a couple of iconic songs oh, of people out there. And it's like, how boring must it be for, like, the people performing? Like, Dolly, sitting up there just seeing a sea of, like, grey bobs just doing their head Yeah. Dance. Well, that was what was good about Shea and Elton John. Oh, my God, Shea They had, amazing. like, come yeah. back and been like, you can stand up and you can dance. We appreciate if you do. Yeah. yeah. And, like, oh, my God, Shea. And another Adele iconic. Said yeah. Sorry. Shea's a close second to Dolly. Yeah. yeah. We, so we all went to the Shea concert and we actually saw you at the Shea concert before we knew who each other was. And I remember Steph. Yeah, because you came up to me and you were like, I think that's Michael Beale. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, it is. And I was like, should I go up to him and say hi? We were trash. <laughs> I was off my rocket too. That was amazing. So like, Imagine now I know you, you would have been like, oh, my God, hey, I am the Michael Beale. Oh, no, I'm not like that. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get away. I'm married. Back <laughs> <on>. <laughs> That's so good. I don't have a recollection of that. I'm That's so right. sorry. That's all right. That's right. <laughs> she was another iconic um, concert. Yeah, amazing. I agree. One of the best concerts I've ever been to. My yeah. first ever concert though was True Bliss. <gasps> oh, yeah. First, yeah. yeah, amazing. First ever concert, True Bliss at the Michael Fowler Centre here in Wellington. <laughs> wow. Did they pay? I took out? my friend's um, six-year-old kid to go along, so then I could uh, go along and watch it. Yeah, it's amazing. I got mad because my mum wouldn't let me go for some reason. And then I also had friends who's like, dad was the manager or uncle was the manager and they all got to go in and meet them all. And I just saw the, the Kodak printed out photos being like, Hey, How dare mom, she? Really? I know. She also stopped me from seeing Westlife, which I've never forgotten. <gasps> I know, because oh I had to focus on school, which... Got who know me now. <laughs> Stupid girl. <Yeah. laughs> so tell us something that has peaked too soon for you recently that you're just like about. Uh, well, they haven't peaked too soon. They've been around for a long time, but I just can't get into the Real Housewives vibe of just Real Housewives New Jersey, fucking Las Vegas, wherever. I'm just not into it. <laughs> Why not? Because all I see is a pack of middle-aged women bitching about yeah. and fighting on TV. If I want to see that, I I'll can just to talk to my client. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's just like I just, you know, life's crazy enough as it is. Yeah. And just seeing them bitch and moan and, yeah, I just can't get into it. And they have these big major issues when they're freaking loaded yeah. and they're just Petty, and I'm privilege. just like, yeah, yeah. Privilege. I get that. I get that. I like they're not all white, but it's white privilege. Yeah, hard. it is. It is, and I get that as a stan of the housewives. But today, I watched the most recent reunion of Orange County, which is it's a bit flawed. I think it will probably get cancelled, but. I just had to leave the room. I was like, <laughs> I can't listen to these women yell at each other anymore. It was so 
volatile and yeah. intense and it did feel a lot like like the issues are quite crazy like alcohol alcoholism alcoholism and people talking about other people's sex lives and all this stuff and I just was like I can't do this anymore. So maybe it is. And we've talked about that before. Like, what is the future of these shows in a yeah. world where everyone's like, mm, not so well, sure. Well, I think, you know, like, if we if we want to get political, you know, there's things like the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, everything that's happened in America and just generally also here in New Zealand. It's just like there's a lot more shit going on mm. and a lot more bigger stuff to worry about, you know, oh, my God, so-and-so looked at my husband, is she going to sleep with him, you know, type of thing. And that sort of privileged bitches, you know, bitching about each other. Yeah. And I just don't get it. It's just like there's other things I can waste my time watching TV if I want to escapism than seeing middle-aged women bitch about themselves. So Yeah. Yeah. And the New Zealand, I think the New Zealand one didn't do us any favours because they are Well, remember the New Zealand one was like literally the the, N-word. The N-word was the whole thing. It's like, Wow, that's outrageous. It's so outrageous. I'm Gilda. But but it's also like, you know, you had... She's cancelled. Yeah, absolutely cancelled. But it's just like that Real Housewives of New Zealand was was a joke. And then once again, it was just like these privileged bitches about their book launch or so-and-so's not going to come to my vineyard. I'm like, oh, my God, who cares? <laughs> you know? Did you like, ever watch the Melbourne Housewives, though? Because it's actually no, hilarious. No, I, I will watch, <laughs> like, I watched New Zealand because I thought, oh, my God, this is so tragic. Yeah. It's yeah, a train wreck. And, um, you know, for that, TV alone was perfect. But, um, yeah. Like Pussy Palace? And she just had all those cats? Yeah, oh she's God. the wine she lady, champagne yeah. lady yeah, in New Zealand. Lady. I might be the champagne man. Yeah. <laughs> I could be the champagne man. You're my champagne man. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you've ruined um, cheap alcohol, cheap bubbles for me. Oh my there God. is no. No. Yeah. If you do want a good cheap bubbles, though, mm-hmm. Daniel Lebron always mm. comes up hot on Cuisine Magazine. I know it's not $9.99, but it is for cheap bubbles if you don't want the verve or the moe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Lebron. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Or Jacob's Creek comes up in a blind yeah. tasting quite often too. Oh. And she's like $9. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mind the Jacob's Creek one. And you actually love food. Michael's a really amazing cook. Yeah, two fags, one pan. Yeah, two fags, one pan. <laughs> That's my Instagram foodie thing. You were um, almost cast on a season of uh, what was M- it? M- MKR, yeah, my kitchen Really? Rolls. With Eddie? Yeah. No, with a friend of mine, Sopay, who's also oh, a good cook. amazing. So um, we were filmed and they came and, um, you know, watched us cook and we did all the behind-the-scenes chats and all that and opening the door and come in and try our restaurant <laughs> type of thing. And we were down to um, us two as a guy couple, not that we're a couple, but then there was two, like, dads. And they felt like the straight dads mm, yeah. would be better so TV wrong. rather than two gays that can actually cook. Yeah. yeah. We don't need dads, we need daddies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were the daddies and they were the dads. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to here really quickly. You've worked with on, worked on some big names. Yeah. What are you intimidated when you walk into a room and there's Scar Joe? Or um, definitely when um that Scarlett's team contacted me to look after her. Um, I was definitely like, oh, my God, I don't know what 
what to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you literally go, and then it's just like, actually, they're just normal people. Yeah. And it's just hair, and I'm just cutting it or colouring it or whatever. And you're um, good at it. Yeah. So, um, and you're just like, you know, they've had 5,000 hairdressers look after them, then they just want to look good and feel good as well. And I think if you, you know, I've been lucky enough to do Scarlett Johansson or Sigourney Weaver or um, others, and it's just like, you know, when you actually go, they're normal people, and if you treat them normal, they actually respect that more. And as long as you respect their privacy and don't go, can I get a photo? Mm. And, you know, and blow it up all over the gram, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll come back to you. Mm. Yeah. So cool. Wellington is a good little spot, I guess, for, like, film. Yeah. I do need to be well. in Auckland, though. I need to be doing RuPaul and Michelle Vassar. I know. It's like, get me there, bitches. I know. There's been lots of Michelle sightings around. Yeah. No Ru yet. No Ru, but there's a rumour out that she's now out of quarantine. Yes. A rumour? A rumour. <laughs> Heard it here first. Yeah. I'm so excited for that season. We yeah. need to have a full premiere party. Oh, my God. You need Dress a full... Up. Complete podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. In our mind, we're, yeah. we're doing like a weekly catch Recap. up. Of what oh, my God. Yeah. 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 You can come and join us for one yeah. and break them down. Break them down. Break them down. Totally. Shall we say the mantra? Let's say the mantra. All right. 2001 to 2008, there ain't a song that we hate. God, it's so nice that that just makes sense, isn't it? Yes. So this is our little section where we have everyone add a song to the playlist from what we deem one of the best moments in time in music from 2001 to 2008, roughly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank God you said roughly because mine's from 2000. Um, and it's Madison Avenue, Don't Call Me Baby, um, which is a banger. Yeah. And, and the reason I picked that song is um, I went to the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras in 2000. Right. And um, one of these drag queens did a song and... You know, the little gay things just kicked in right at the same time <laughs> as the show started. This drag queen rocked down the stage and she had about 30 Muscle Marys topless, all on like dog leashes. And um, I looked around and I'm just surrounded by about 30,000 half-naked men and women and just <laughs> had the best night of my life. That's amazing. Do you know who the queen was? Did you ever no. like together? No, I was too <laughs> off my head. Okay, <laughs> no. She was so wearing silver. Was that 99 into 2000? That was to, uh, February or, 2000. Oh, uh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, March 2000. It's the first weekend of March. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's not New Year. Well, yeah. I think New Year. That is so cool. Yes. I love that song. Honestly, partying in that whole year 2000 would have just been so wild. Everyone is just like all the photos you see of the millennial. Millennium. Millennium. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. good. I got sent home on that New Year's Eve, actually. Got kicked out by friends. Yeah, by friends. Oh, really? Yeah, she was abusive. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I got drunk and out of control and Y2K was supposed to be happening, which is the biggest letdown of the world. Um, and, um, yeah, I literally was just rocking down the street, grabbing drinks out of people's hands and sculling them and being an obnoxious little <laughs> faggot. And I was just like... My friends actually put me in a cab and sent me home about 10.30. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Great. And nothing's changed. Actually, nothing has changed. I get too excited. <laughs> but the bubbles will do that to you. Yeah, they do. Well, thank you for letting us come over. My and pleasure. being here and feeding us and Another watering Another glass of champagne us. before you leave. Of yeah, course. Absolutely. Always. So people, please follow Michael at Michael Beale here. Follow at Boy Salon and Spa as well. For a good time for inspo and bookings. Bookings. Come see us. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what's next. Who knows? Who knows what's just around the corner? There's some things in the pipeline, so we'll just see. And as I would like to leave you with a dolly quote. Oh yes, yes, please. The higher the hair, the closer to God. Too true. Amen. Too true. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.